Hey friends, welcome to Living in His Purpose podcast, where we recognize that in God's purpose, He has the perfect spot for you. If you're a Christian woman and you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious by this rat race way of life, and you're ready to find simplicity God's way, you're in the right spot. By replacing negative mindsets and habits with God's word, we're going to give Holy Spirit permission to come in and help us walk bravely in this upside down world. These are not easy things to face, sweet friend. You're going to have to put on your big girl pants. So pull them up, grab a drink, and let's get going. Welcome back to Living in His Purpose podcast, episode number 11. So last week, we spent some time talking about organizing. And as you may or may not know, in the past, I or I still am a professional organizer, and I've been doing this for the last two years. And actually, that journey has led me into life coaching because I've learned that organizing and people's spaces and their disorganization is really deeper rooted. And I'm not a superficial person. I want to know the whys, the deep downs, what are people thinking? Why are they causing this? And that's one of the reasons I decided to get into life coaching. So today we're going to do a little more talking on organizing and clutter. This is a big issue for many many people. If you go online, you can find lots of statistics about how clutter affects us. And here's just a few that I found in a quick search. It is estimated that only 20% of the things we own, we actually use. It's also estimated that 3,680 hours in our lifetime, we spend searching for misplaced items. In the average home, getting rid of clutter would eliminate approximately 40% of housework. And then there was a study done with over 2,000 U.S. women, and it showed that their closet had an average of $550 worth of unworn clothing. Disorganization causes 80% of household clutter. It's not just the lack of space. It's estimated that 80% of your clothes are worn only 20% of the time. Americans waste more than 9 million hours each day looking for lost and misplaced items. Worrying that their home isn't clean or organized enough is the fifth most common stress trigger for Americans. So what is it about clutter and disorganization? Well, I've come up with some reasons why people can't get rid of their things. And essentially, that's what's happening. You're just bringing stuff in and you're not getting rid of things. Number one, they have an emotional attachment. The other side of the coin is you can have memories about an item. You don't have to keep it. That's why taking pictures with your items or scrapbooking or, you know, having those memories can be helpful. You want your money's worth. So in order for an object to be valuable, you have to actually use it. Even the things we keep because of memories, put them out, look at them, display their, display them. That's their value. If you're not going to do that, if you're just going to keep it in a box, take a picture of it, move it out and move in something that would be better served in that space. Number two, advertising. Oh my goodness. This is something that really sticks in my craw. Our society is constantly bombarded with message messages that you need this thing, you need that thing. They have spent years to figure out how to manipulate us, how to manipulate our emotions to make you think that what they're selling, you can't live without. But you need to stop. You need to ask yourself some questions. Is this something you're going to continuously use? Or are you going to have enjoyment for more than two months with it? If you are, then it's probably worth purchasing. But if you're not, just let it go and it's not worth it. Owning things doesn't make us happy. 
Shopping can give us a rush, but long-term happiness is not connected to the products that we have. And I know we all can say that, but it takes a little bit more insight to recognize where you've got issues here. Number three, it's how you were raised. You may have been taught by parents to hang on to things. And honestly, as I grow older, this is something I am currently struggling with. You just have to be practical with what you save. Make sure you have a space for it. If you don't have a space for it, create the space and then let something else go. Or consider not even saving that item. Odds are you probably aren't ever going to use it. And then number four, a mess is a distraction. I feel that people buy things or spend money to make themselves feel better. They like to have things around them and then they like to have the mess so they can avoid deep down emotional issues that they might be having. And I realize that's pretty heavy. And if you are one of those people, it's okay. Go find some help. Talk to a counselor to work out what and why you have emotional attachment to things, why you really struggle letting go of things. Let's look a little deeper here at emotional issues with our things. Decluttering isn't all about a checkoff list. Sometimes people shop or do other habits that take up time and money because they're looking for something that can satisfy them. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis in his classic book, Mere Christianity. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. So rather than leaning into the joy we get or the thrill we get of shopping and buying new items, just think about our future in heaven and reflect on that. And I realize this does sound like I'm spiritualizing decluttering. I'm not. These, these are practical tips for people who struggle with letting things go or struggle with bringing too much in. So why do we crave new things? In Revelation 21.5, it tells us that we have a desire for newness. But let's allow that to connect us to God's promise that one day he's going to make all things new. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 warns that spending our money and labor on what cannot satisfy us is a problem. So I have found in my days of professional organizing that a lot of people feed their discontentment with physical items. They think that buying things is going to make them feel satisfied and happy, but it doesn't. We may have a moment of contentment. We may have a moment of joy when we buy that perfect whatever it is that we thought we needed, but it's not going to make our life serene and satisfied. But God calls us to be content in all circumstances at all times. So let me give you six helpful mindset shifts you can use to help eliminate discontentment. Number one, Practice an attitude of gratitude. I realize that's overstated, but it's true. And that's why so many people say it. Instead of saying, I want, start saying, I hope for something you desire. Number two, consider the moments when you felt most content and try to change or orchestrate more of those when possible. More than likely, it wasn't buying something. It was an experience that you had. Number three, develop a true appreciation for what you already have and acknowledge that it's probably more than most people will ever know. Number four, delight in your blessings instead of always longing for more. Number five, work on the glass being half full or more than half full principle. Number six, seek God for strength and guidance. Remember that everything you need and all you should want are in Christ. First Timothy 6, 6 says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I realize, once again, that this might be a stretch for some people to think that their clutter is being related to discontent, and that this may be a little deeper for some people, but I honestly believe it's the truth. I believe that this world is very deceptive and telling us a lie we need more stuff to be happy. I believe God has put a hole in our heart that only he can fulfill, and yet because we are fallen creatures, we miss the point that it's God-sized, and we try filling it with other things. For some people, it's stuff. For some, it's food. For some, it's sex. For some, it's alcohol or drugs. And for some, it's religion. I'm just talking today about those of us who struggle with our stuff, who are looking for a practical way to identify our issue and how to solve this issue. I want to show people that you can change your mindset when you add tools to your life that help you better understand how you think and why you do what you do. The bottom line is, it's all about our mindset. So how does organizing have anything to do with being godly? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I have mentioned before, but God abhors chaos. He creates. And when you look at creation, he took the chaos and made it make sense. Isaiah 45, 18 says he created the heavens and the earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. Everything that God does has a reason. So I'm going to give you three reasons why we should be organized as Christians. Number one, money. When we recognize that our attention may be going to buying a lot of stuff, that's a resource that we're using that we could put somewhere else to serve God. Number two, time. If you have less things to manage, you have more time to spend with Jesus or doing whatever it is he's called you to do. And number three, health. Studies show that having more stuff than you need creates anxiety, and God doesn't want us to be anxious. He actually commands us not to be anxious. So why would we put stuff in our homes that are that's going to make us feel anxious? God knew that too much stuff in your home is going to make you anxious, so don't do it. Don't feel guilty, though, about what you have. Look at it objectively and think about what you could use, what you could do with what you don't want, and how you can help other people. Look for a way to donate what you have to needy groups. Like here in my area, there's the foster care group that takes pretty much everything. And whatever they don't use to help the kids or the families, they sell in uh, garage sales that they have several times a year to, to build up money to buy the things that the kids need. I guarantee you there is some place around looking for what it is that you've got. But you can't stop there. Once you get rid of the stuff, you have to start looking at your mindset. You don't want to be spending your money and filling it back up. So maybe when you have that clear space, you can take a deep breath, evaluate how it makes you feel, and decide you're not going to put all that money, time, and stress into more stuff. Okay, so last month we talked about four tendencies people have toward their expectation, either of themselves or of others. Well, I found a great value in this knowledge, and it can be used towards organizing. I'm a huge believer that more knowledge is better. The more that we understand about ourselves and how God created us will allow us to be more fruitful while we are here on this earth. If you remember, we had the obliger, the questioner, the rebel, and the upholder. So let's take a minute and look at some practical tips for each tendency when you are working on getting organized. We're going to look at their strengths, weaknesses, and three tips that can help with your mindset about organizing. Life as an obliger. Here are your strengths. You put others' needs ahead of your own. You excel at meeting your deadlines. You succeed when given accountability with supervision, deadlines, monitoring, and other forms of accountability. 
You're a good role model and others count on you. You're willing to go the extra mile and you're flexible when things need to change. And you're a good team player and a responsible leader. So if I were to give you a motto, I would say, you can count on me and I'm counting on you to count on me. <laughs> and here are some weaknesses. When you try to go out on your own, you stall out. You struggle with to self-motivate. When an outer expectation is too heavy, you suddenly snap, refuse to meet the expectation any longer, and you become resentful. You hate to let people down or have trouble saying no. You find it hard to count on yourself. You feel you have to be self-sacrificing or you have low self-esteem or lack of mo motivation or some other character flaw. You often feel exploited, but you don't usually protest. So as a professional organizer to an obliger, this is what I would say. Number one. As you go through this organizing process, you might see it as impossible to do this yourself. You are the best candidate for coaching. Just have to put that in there. What you need is an accountability partner. Reach out. You are not alone. Grab a friend. Tell them what you're doing. Number two, don't be afraid to use your timer to help you get motivated. Set it for the specified amount of time and work against the clock. External accountability is what drives you. And how awesome it is that you can know that. Number three, after each organizing session, you must take an after picture and send it to a friend so you can truly see how much work you're getting done. And feel free to brag on social media. You never know who you're going to encourage. Now let's go to a questioner. Life is a questioner. Here are your strengths. You tend to need to know the why of the matter before making a consideration. You are a lover of improving the processes so things run more efficiently. You love to share your knowledge. You're, you are internally motivated as long as you figured out the why. You like to customize the situation just for you and even with quote-unquote expert advice, you find it necessary to make the decision for yourself. You do a fine job setting and meeting your own expectations. Here are some weaknesses you might have. Some people view you as argumentative at times. You may more frequently suffer from analysis paralysis. Just like with finding the rationale to do something, you can just as easily find the rationale not to do something. You don't easily follow expert advice and at times this frustrates people. Indecisiveness may or may not be a weakness for you. You don't really like to be questioned yourself. And if I were to give you a life motto, it would be, I'm willing to help out, but you have to convince me why. <laughs> so here's three pieces of advice from me to you. You must find the why of what you're doing. You will not have any production until you do. Number two, if you find yourself in a moment you can't make a definitive decision, for example, I don't know where to put the batteries, just look at the decision you make as an experiment. If it doesn't work, try something else. If it does work, keep going. And then number three, researching a topic is very important to you, but don't let that be how you spend all of your time. Set a parameter for how long you will look into a question. For example, I'll look at Pinterest for ideas on how to organize my scrapbooking paper for 20 minutes and then I'll make a decision. Okay, let's move on to life as a rebel. Here are your strengths. You find joy in expressing yourself. You enjoy meeting challenges when you can meet them your own way. You place a high value on authenticity, self-identity, and self-determination. You are able to show others that we are freer than we think. You place a high value on freedom and ability to make your own choices. You have a great desire to think outside the box and break with conventional thinking. You love a good challenge or a good dare. You hate to feel trapped, constrained, or exploited. But here's some weaknesses you might have. You don't like to be told what to do, not even by yourself. Ask me how I know this. <laughs> you resist all expectations, even if it is the best option for you. You don't mind breaking the rules. The harder you are pushed by others, the greater you push back. You resist doing repetitive tasks and planning. 
You struggle to tell yourself what to do. At times, you're seen as uncooperative or inconsiderate. And if I were to give you a life motto, it'd be, you can't make me and neither can I. (laughs) So here's three pieces of advice from me to you, you little rebel. This process is not a list of to-dos or a must-do program. You are completely free to make any choices you want, and there are limitless options for you to get this task done as you want it to be. Number two, if you're having trouble getting started, what do you think about taking five minutes and thinking about how you are identifying through this process? For example, some people could have the viewpoint, I'm going to get this space organized because I really don't like all of the chaos around me. But bottom line is, if you're just not feeling it today, it's totally okay to see what tomorrow brings. Number three, one of the beauties of organizing is that you can do it your own way and your own style. There are no rules here. You are free to use this time to show your family and friends your unique style. But share your ideas. Many of us love to learn new things. Then we have the upholder. And here are your strengths. You are considered by others as very reliable. You're very intrigued with rules. You find it easy to form habits and take satisfaction in sticking to your habits. You're a self-starter, conscientious, thorough, reliable. You meet inner and outer expectations, and that makes you feel creative, free, independent, and effective. You like to-do lists, meeting self-imposed deadlines, and following instructions. Here are some weaknesses. You can become impatient with those who struggle to follow through. You find it difficult to delegate and you resist holding others accountable. Changing your routines, habits, or schedule makes you very uncomfortable. And others have let you know that your way seems a bit extreme. You spend time doing things you think you should be doing, even if it isn't productive. And if I were to give you a life motto, it'd be discipline brings freedom. Here are my top three pieces of advice from me to you. If you struggle with having a clear sense of what you're expecting of yourself, talk. Articulating your inner expectation is key to clarifying them. Number two, you may find it difficult to let some things go because it's always been that way. When you find yourself in these situations, review your inner expectations and realize that sticking to the rules all of the time may hinder you from reaching your goal. Number three, if you are working in an area that others share, delegating to others may be problematic for you. Remember, not everyone is comfortable or energized by getting things done. (laughs) Take some time to learn their personality tendency, work within those parameters, and I would encourage you to be a good example. Be patient and be consistent. I hope that these practical tips on organizing have been helpful. Above all, I hope that you see the importance of the right mindset God is in everything we do, even when we're managing our things. I hope you look at this year as a year to evaluate how you are doing things. If they are not aligned with God's word, you won't get that peace that you're looking for, I promise. Above all, he wants peace for you. Just go read all the introductions that Paul writes in his letters. Let me end with Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I pray, friend, that your knowledge and understanding continues to grow and that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. May the way you live always honor and please the Lord and your lives be filled with every kind of good fruit. God bless you, friends. And remember, as you begin looking at these hard things in life, you're not alone. Changing our mindsets from how they have functioned for sometimes years and years 
is a hard thing. If you're looking for help and would like to learn a little more about mindset life coaching, feel free to reach out. My contact information is in the show notes. Until next time, I give you permission to hang up your big girl pants. Have a great day. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for being here with me, and I'm hoping that you received a word. Let me close with a passage of scripture. Rejoice in your confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. By doing this, sweet friend, you're going to find that you can take those thoughts captive and change that mindset and be anxious for nothing. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time.